Hey guys, just before we get into the podcast, obviously this has been a really shit week uh, for everyone in Australia with the bushfires uh, blazing out of control and uh, we just wanted to, I guess, acknowledge our, both our podcast partners in Beyond Blue and all the work that the fires are doing. Absolutely, mate. With that said, I know everyone wants to get in there and help and plenty of people been donating goods, but um, I know in Victoria at least the, they've come out and said, you know, the best thing to do now is is to donate money um and with that i guess we want to throw our support behind um either the victorian government bushfire appeal um the red cross also has their disaster relief and recovery um fund set up as well or if you want to support the cfa directly in victoria you can um, just jump on any one of their websites if you're in another state um again look at your local government and look at your your local fire fighting guys to to see who to support and obviously this is a really hard time for everybody um so if you are struggling don't hesitate to reach out absolutely and if you need to reach out we we obviously strongly recommend you get in touch with our friends over at beyond blue number is 1300 22 46 36 or you can find them online at beyondblue.org.au and you can chat online in the forum and we really hope that everyone is keeping safe and and is out of the line of the fires and and um and yeah hope hopefully this all ends very soon hello and welcome to the listics afl podcast i'm your host john van norden and here as always with me is my good friend sean lewis sean how you doing this week mate Going well, thanks, Johnny. Um, all up and running in the new studios. Feeling very, very nice in here at the moment, mate. So, very well done. Yeah, thanks, mate. Um, I think that you guys can probably hear a pretty clear difference this week. Um, we did have our first week recording with the microphones What'd last you do, week. John? Uh, but I, at the last moment, switched off the speakers and switched it into recording from the laptop, which is why... Sean was sounding nice and tinny in the background. It's because he wasn't sitting near the laptop. Yep. So that was fun. Um, but as I said, you'll be able to hear a pretty clear difference now. Um, we're going to drive straight into it because we've got a couple of episodes to cover um, and it's been a relatively busy week. Um, so we'll jump straight into our mental health minute. Um, Sean, we'll start here with you today. How you doing, mate? Yeah, look, mate, been going well. Um, I mean, uh, people would have heard our bit of a different intro at the start there and um, I guess at the moment uh, it's probably a good time to reflect and you kind of, uh, you know, uh, be grateful for, for everything in front of us at the moment. And obviously there's a lot of people around Australia at the moment doing it pretty tough and, you know, my heart goes out to them and, and everything. So, you know, a lot of reflection lately around the the fires and, and the impacts that's had on, you know, we've got some family and some family friends that have been impacted um, some guys I worked with many years ago um, as well who, who have lost a, a bit of land and potentially property and, um, you know, your thoughts go out to them and you just hope that everyone's doing okay and, and uh, you know, it's nice to see the amazing job that our fireys do. Um, the volunteers and the, and the paid professionals, they just do an incredible job and, you know, just really, I guess at the moment, it's just been grateful for, for we're not being um, affected in any great deal um i guess up in melbourne we, we get a little bit of smoke but it's nothing compared to what other people have to deal with so it's really just been probably very contemplative and reflective lately and 
and not so much um uh, i mean personally everything's going quite well so you know yeah. being grateful for that is a big thing yeah I'm, I'm and how about you yeah i'm gonna say i'm a bit the same like things are going really well um settled in the new place so that's all good um i noticed that a lot this week so in the line of work that i'm in i speak to a lot of people on the phone contact a lot of people via email and message uh and just the saying like a happy new year to people that was something that I found really hard um, when I was going back in and writing Happy New Year because it was, for a lot of people, not. Um, and I, I know that uh, I had a colleague, one of the three, I have three people in my team, me being one of them, and one of my colleagues has parents that live um, in the affected areas and have had friends and people lose all of their properties and everything. Um, so mm. I, I started saying, I hope that you had a safe and relaxing new year because that's sort of what I had like was I was relaxed and I'm safe um, but I don't think that anyone's truly happy with the situation that, that's sort of why I've been using that phrasing but it's a really weird uncomfortable feeling where uh, even when I went into Melbourne the other day it was like silent people were not talking it was the first day back at work after the fires um, yeah. and people were not talking at all on the way in it was just eerie with all the smoke around so i really hope that um anyone i wish that everyone had never been affected but i hope that everyone that's listening to this podcast um has avoided um being affected by it in any way and if you have i'm really from the bottom of both of sean and my heart we really really feel for you and and really wish you all the best in this hard time um i think we cover it in the entry to the podcast every single time but Mental health is a pretty big thing for us, and at this time of year, I think it's pretty important. So, really, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's a solemn time, and it's a it's a scary prospect um, to have a fire like this. Um, not only, obviously, in Victoria, obviously, there's there's fires in every state. Kangaroo Island went up. There's been a lot of fires in WA, fires up in Queensland. We had, you know, a month and a half ago, there was the the um, the north of New South Wales and now it's the south of New South Wales so there's been a you know it's been a pretty trying time and it's starting the start of fire season so I guess um, it's a bit concerning in that way that you know at the start of fire season we're seeing all this and hopefully now we can get on top of it um, and and not too many uh, I guess I, I guess I hope that we don't have any more seriously big fires and we get through this next kind of week or so where it's a bit dicey and nothing flares up and we get some nice calm conditions for firefighters to get on top of it and um and yeah like we just we just want people to be safe and happy as everyone in australia does and yeah it's 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 tough um for everyone i think the whole nation's hurting for for the people affected all around australia yeah and um i don't want people to take i guess the 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 tone that we're taking in the entry is sort of how we're feeling. So when uh, I, I feel bad and I don't, should, I don't feel probably like I should have to apologize, but as we go into the rest of the podcast, we're going to be a, a lot more jovial. Um, we're going to be enjoying chatting about some of the stuff that's happened. Um, and it's going to, I don't want people to take, I guess, the tone of the podcast, which will be more jovial and positive as the way we're feeling. But equally, I don't want people to feel just, down in the dumps and like nothing's going to get better um we will rebuild and we'll get better from this and yeah um we always bounce back we do that's that's one of the great things about 
being um, being a part of this country. Um, it's not just the um, the culture that's been here forever, but it's a culture that we're building. Um, we build with every new person that comes to Australia that's born in Australia, but we're definitely a country that gives um, and we care for each other. So it has been a really hard time for a lot of people. But we are gonna we are gonna move into the main part of the podcast now. I mean, yeah. at the end of the last podcast, we covered trades. A lot has changed between now and then, not from the trades perspectives, but in just generally in Australia. So um, I'm glad that we get a chance to record again. Um, and we're gonna keep covering the live trades now. So the way we're gonna do yeah. this is by going through in the order that the trades happened, trying to provide some context as to why they may have happened, and also. Uh, talk about whether there was a clear winner or loser um, in the trade. So, uh, Shawnee, kick us off. No problems. Um, well, the first live trade that happened on draft night um, was a hugely exciting trade um, with Collingwood receiving pick 60 in uh, in trade for pick 62 and pick 70, which went up to GWS. Um, not much really to see here. This one was just a a point swap for GWS um, to minimise, I guess, the impact of the pending Tom Green bid. So it's a, you know, I think I called it a deck shuffler, you know, um, give up a, you know, two pick jump for a pick 70 that isn't going to get used. So Yeah, it's pretty much what it was. I think that people, when, because the live trade popped up on TV uh, when it actually happened. Got very excited. If people were really excited, they thought it was a high trade and everything like that, but it was just, a, as you said, a deck shuffle. Um, Next up, we had uh, Fremantle gave two third-round picks, which was uh, 52 and 55 at the time. Um, Port Adelaide got back a fourth-round pick, which was pick 66. And a future second round selection, which, for the purposes of evaluating the trade, we're, and that's when we talk about future selections and we say a pick, that's roughly where we're predicting the pick's going to land, and it's important because that's how we evaluate the picks. Um, so we've evaluated this one around pick twenty-two, um, and basically, um, you know, it's a pretty good trade for Port in the fact that they. Uh, dropped two third round picks this year and converted into a future second. Um, potentially, if Frio don't perform, we've got them finishing towards the bottom six next year. So um, we we are, I guess, thinking that this this will be a very good trade for Port in the end. Um, yeah, winning mean, by about four hundred and something points. Yeah, I mean, I think that you're right. It was definitely um, a big win for Port Adelaide in terms of points, but Fremantle tried to do this to avoid. Um, some of the debt that they're going to have for next year, they still did incur some. So, I mean, they haven't completely avoided it, but it's one of those make best of a bad situation. I still think they probably could have got a better deal. Um, well, it depends. Like, I wonder now, are uh, AFL clubs starting to basically say, well, you know, we know the position you're in. This is it. <laughs> like, just holding to ransom. Yeah, probably. Um you're right, it probably is. Um, and Port probably couldn't afford to just give away too much for nothing because they still had a bid to match for Mead, so they didn't know where that was going to come. Yep. Um, so they probably had some leverage there. Um, yeah. What was the next one, Matt? This was, a, this was a goodie by the looks of it. Yeah, the next trade was with Gold Coast and Carlton. So Gold Coast received a first round pick so they traded up um, to get pick 11 
Um, and a fourth round pick, 62, and Carlton received 17 and 22. So, I mean, really good trade for Carlton. Um, I think that given the the depth of this draft, the way that the sort of rounds went, um, it made sense to um, move out of that 11 slot and go to 17, and it sort of paid dividends given who was available in the end. Um, That said, Gold Coast, they were pretty much trying to move on picks that they got for free anyway. So um, this is, I mean, this is one of the reasons people get annoyed. It's one of the reasons why the AFL give picks um, and not concessions to established players because it means that you then don't be afraid to overpay to make moves that you really want. So I think that they had Sam Flanders rated fourth overall on their board. Yeah, but that, that doesn't matter. We, we dispelled that argument last I, year. I agree. I agree. But I'm just explaining why... Um, why the why um, the AFL gave Gold Coast all of these concessions is to allow them to do things like this. Yeah, but I guess the point that I take from this is that it's another huge point hit in a trade for Gold Coast off the back of, um, I guess, enforced sacrifices, I guess, for the other clubs. So... Every club had to make a concession to allow Gold Coast to get additional picks. Um, and on top of that, you then see them hand away these picks like they do. And I guess the the part that will, will annoy a lot of clubs will be just the fact that the AFL sign off on these trades. Like um, this trade is roughly out of balance by 418 points. Um, which is which is about pick forty one. So it's not the worst trade. It's not the worst one that's been done. Absolutely not. It's it's probably one of the closer ones. And you could argue maybe maybe pick forty one is roughly the premium to move up the order. And if that's the case, so be it. Um, but I mean, this is just a series of of um, of trades that really hurt. And we'll go. If there's another one that'll come up, and we'll talk about that. <laughs> yeah. But. And that one's probably the one that really got me angry. This one, not so much. I think probably the biggest thing that I've seen post-draft has been Carlton came out and explained, you know, they obviously made the bid on Liam Henry, who they were really keen on. Um, And then they made the bid on Tom Green. And what they've actually said, well, one, Tom Green probably shouldn't have slipped there, but they said that they were trying to, I guess, buy themselves a little bit of time to figure out what they were doing because... Um, if I remember correctly, they were very interested in uh, Dylan Stevens and Fisher Mackesy. No, was it Fisher Mac? No, maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was Caleb Sarong or oh, Hayden Young. Sorry. Yep. So they're very interested in Hayden Young. So they were trying to get to pick six um, with Adelaide. And when Dill Stevens came off the board at pick five, Adelaide was left with the choice: do we trade with Carlton and hope that Fisher Mackesy slides um, through Fremantle's picks, or? Do we um, do we just hold it and pick him? And they decide to hold and pick, which was the safe option and, and no problems there. But it also meant that when Hayden Young and then Caleb Sarong both went to Fremantle, um, Carlton was left, I guess, um, chasing a little bit. They weren't sure what to do. They felt like their pick was probably overvalued for, for Flanders and they found a suitable buyer in Gold Coast. And um, so be it. Good on them. Yeah, I think that they did really well there. They were also involved in the next trade, which was uh, them moving back up the order. Uh, so they moved from 22 and a third round pick, which went to Port Adelaide, and they got pick 20. 
Yeah. So not not a huge improvement, um, and probably not a massive price to pay either for it. Um, net value of about pick sixty one. Still not a um, thing I think that clubs should get in the habit of doing, just burning picks to move up two spots in the order to hope that they get the player that they want. Um, And I think the silly thing with this one um, was that we've seen two years running now with with the draft night split over two nights that the first pick of each night is the most valuable. So pick one, obviously, and then... Pick 22, 23, 24, whatever it ends up being, the end of that first round. Yep. That next pick is probably more valuable. Than the one two before. Yeah. Just because of time. Yeah, Just exactly. because of time. It, it, you're completely right. Um, because if the draft had stopped then, so the draft had stopped at pick 20, and pick 20 was the next night, pick 20 would be the most valuable pick because someone would have traded up to get Robinson. Well, you would, yeah, you wouldn't have been able... Carlton wouldn't have been able to get pick 20... For pick 22 and pick 55, no, they would have paid what Brisbane paid, exactly. which is pick 23 and next year's second round, which is, say Brisbane finished top four, that's still pick 32. So, you know, that's our next trade, by the way, as well. So Carlton effectively port won the trade by, let's call it 140 points, pick 61. And then the next trade, Port then took the pick that they, they took their pick 20, turned it into two picks, and then they turned one of those picks into another two picks. So they effectively turned pick 20 into pick 23, a future second round and pick 55, which allowed them to get Mead with no debt. And they pretty much won the, the Brisbane trade by 500 points. So they've won by collectively 650 points, which is, you know, a high 30s pick. Yeah, you're moving into a second round pick win, um, which is getting getting quite large. And they got really probably a player that they would have valued around there anyway. Um, a player that they probably could have taken with pick 20, um, Dill Williams. Yeah, exactly. So it, and this is where um, I guess the clubs that have the confidence to hold and trade back win big time because they win on points and generally they end up picking a player that feels like the smart selection anyway. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think that, yeah, so Port Adelaide well, doing is, really well. I mean, we talked about it in the draft review, but is is Philp available at 22? Yeah, he should be. Yeah, I reckon he would have. Yeah. So, you know, I know they jumped, but... Yeah, I know, I know a couple of people that rated Philp before Robertson, but it, it was, it's, I mean, I, I always think that those trades to move up between people that you have separated by one or two positions on your list to pay to move up I, I never think that that's necessarily worth it unless it's um, the difference between say pick three in this draft and pick two in this draft yeah. and you're giving away a pick in the 50s to do that sure do it yeah, you'll, giving, never, you'll never do that no exactly if you're giving away a pick in the 30s I'd say no again like I, I still don't think it's worth it like I, I am a big believer in um, in the fact that multiple assets are always better than one, especially multiple high value assets and the, the point system's there for a reason. It's not perfect, but it's there for a reason. Yeah, look, like the DVI system, it, it isn't perfect, but it's a great tool to look at the balance of things and really understand. Um, yeah. So that's why we use it as well. Um, next trade up, um, so we, we obviously spoke about Port um, and Brisbane. So Port traded uh, 20, uh, 22, which was the first pick of the next night, and um, a future fourth round selection tied to GWS. 
um, and they received uh, a pick 23, so they slipped back one spot for effectively, or for Collingwood's next year um, second round pick, which Brisbane had traded, I think, in the Beams trade. So, um, look, that's a massive win. Don't need to really discuss it. We just touched on it then. So Yeah, and the, I mean, the next, they're involved in the next one as well. So yep. that trade for them continues because one of the picks that they brought in, or maybe, yeah, they brought in 61 earlier, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe it was 55. Anyway, they brought in another pick. Um, they traded 61 to 65 and 68, so they just got some additional points to match the Mead bid. Yep. Um, not much, but, I mean, Swans clearly win it. Um, 61 for 65 and 68. I'd yep. much rather the multiple picks than the individual one. Um, next trade is Hawthorne received a third-round pick. It was 43 at the time. Uh, and Collingwood got a future third round pick, which we estimate to be about forty six. So, uh, no, no, other way around. Collingwood got the third round pick, um, and Hawthorne. Um, and I think this this trade was done because um, Finn McGuinness slid. So yeah. uh, a bit like Sydney last year, jettisoning picks that were going to get eaten up with that. They they took value that they couldn't use this year effectively and turned it into next year's value. Smart move by by um, by Graham Wright and um, yeah, I think it's it's not going to be too bad for him. Yeah, no, I agree. It's not going to be bad for him at all. I think that it was the smart move to make given the situation, and yeah. that that's this this wildlife trading exists for me. Yeah, this is and this is the kind of um, I guess smart trading we want to see from clubs. Like this is really just going. This is the hand. This is what I can do okay, well, I can't use this pick this year. It's going to get eaten up with a bid. Let's let's get some value out of it. So, you know, really good move. T- turn it turn into something that won't be eaten up with a bid. Exactly. So yeah. next trade up, um, Sydney got a second round pick, pick 25, and a future fourth, which we've, um, which is Adelaide's future fourth. So we've evaluated that, say, around pick 58 next year. Um and Adelaide gets a second round pick, which was pick 27, and a future third round selection, which is tied to Frio, which we evaluated at about pick 41. Um, Swans moved up in this bid to get Will Gould, um, but they paid a price. So they basically, if, if it all works out how we roughly think it will, um, they're going to be in deficit by about 190 points, um, which is about pick 56. Yeah. Um, here, I guess, is where... This is where you pick up your sliders. So we're about to probably touch on Gold Coast with Jeremy Sharp as well. Um, and there's a big difference between this this overpaying in terms of 190 points and what, what Gold Coast is about to do. So not a bad not bad from the Swans. They got Will Gould. They wanted Will Gould. We rate him very highly. Um, they still lost and, and Adelaide did do well in it. They've got... Um, some more points for next year and they've really got a strong hand next year I can very much see them in North Melbourne and even Geelong I think are the other one really dominating next year's draft because of some really smart moves they did here and this is one of them so yeah, good Geelong, work on both sides Geelong has something like three first round draft picks for next year now this trade you probably shouldn't do it um, that's, that's sort of what we always say to move up two positions on your board but I mean, I'd fi- this is where I would find it hard to to not do it. So I can understand the mentality of a recruiter making that trade yeah. because is a is a juicy Will Gould sitting right in front of you. <laughs> um, and I reckon that if I was in that position, 
not any club, don't associate affiliate me with any club, but if it's John Van Norden United uh, with pick 27 and that future third round pick tied to Fremantle, um, my fans would kill me if I didn't make that trade and get Will Gould. So probably, and I, yeah, this is why it's always under, it's, it's, easy to, it's easy to judge um, in, in a cool state, which is what we're in. We're in a cool state, but in a hot state, which is what they would be in on the night, pretty difficult to not make those trades i think we're usually pretty fair in the sense that we we will admit to when we would do something even if we can sit here in the cold light of day and say probably shouldn't be doing these trades um oh look if i was in their spot on the night i probably would have done it as well so i'm not not going to sit here and and beat them up about it um i reckon it's a good trade for adelaide um they've certainly maximizing their hand next year and um, again, they're converting current points into future points, even though they probably, you know, if they didn't like this draft, that's okay. Um, and Sydney get Will Gould. So that's a win. Superstar. Um, this and one. Yeah, and here we go. Your favourite one. So Gold Coast receive a second round pick, currently 27. Geelong re- receives a fifth round pick and pick 11, the 2020 assistance package pick. Um, and this is where, I guess, we talk about. Gold Coast get picks so that they can trade them away. Um, but this is um, probably short-sighted given that they were able to pick up Sam Flanders with pick 11 this year. Yeah. So if you extrapolate that forward next year and say a player of roughly Sam Flanders' ability will be available at pick 11 next year, would we prefer that person or Jeremy Sharp? They'd probably prefer that person. They can't wait for that long, so they, they've made the trade. Yeah. Um, mate, I don't, know. I don't know whether I want to scream into the microphone like... Don't scream into the ra- microphone. That, after we've just invested in these microphones, Sean, that'll be bad. No, what, what's, the, what's, the, what's the American sports show? Colin Cowherd, like him going off. I'm kind of half tempted to tee off like that. But look, I, I think my notes probably sum it all up. Absolute highway robbery. Um, AFL should have stepped in and told Gold Coast, you're taking the piss. Um, I've got no other way to describe this. It, it's the, the Cats, this is an absolute cannot lose under any situation. Jeremy Sharp has to win three Brownlow medals and guide Gold Coast to three premierships for the Cats not to win this. Like that, maybe that's the extreme side, but like it's, it's so imbalanced. So you've got one pick in pick 27. And forget about the player. You've got pick 27 and you've given them pick 64. So effectively, they've shuffled from 27 to 64 for get being given pick 11 for next year because it's a known pick. That pick will not move unless there's a, a priority pick inserted in front of it. Or a, or a bid or something of that nature. Yeah, so that, but, but, but it's pick 11. Like, it, go, it goes into the draft at pick 11. Yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know that as we sit here right now... No other club next year knows what number their pick is going to be. Yeah. And you know that you've got the number 11 pick next year, obviously with bids and stuff taken into account, and and they've got given away pick 27 this year to get it. So, you know, we're talking roughly the equivalent of 730-ish points difference in this trade, um, which the equivalent pick, funnily enough, is higher than the pick they received. Pick yeah. 26 is the difference in this trade. So they've effectively 
to get pick 27, yeah, they've well, given up 26. Typically, typically, to get a pick as high as 11, you'd have to give away two mid-first, mid-second round picks. So that, yeah. that, that makes complete sense. Um, you're right. We don't, we, don't, we don't need to spend any more time on this just because really Geelong, just... Geelong won this by a long way. Um, and I guess my question is, at what point... The AFL has to tick off trades, yeah? And I know on draft night it's a lot harder because everything's live, it's happening, you've got timers, you've got this. But at what point does the AFL step in and say, we did not give you this pick to do this with? I know you want to give clubs free reign, but the AFL has... like it, the, the, It's the whole thing around the AFL system where they've got little safety mechanisms everywhere to protect clubs from themselves and, and all this and they're they're half in this but not fully in this and this is this this like system it seems like they've gone full capitalist and said you're the master of your own demise here. However at the same time you won't let clubs trade more than two first round picks in a four year cycle and you won't let the clubs trade out a full year's worth of picks. They've got to keep their their first or all their other picks and all these other little things but yet let you'll let this trade through. And that's the part that I just don't understand. And that's the part that I sit there and I go, well, on draft night for this live trade, what is what is the AFL doing and, and how are they letting that slide? Don't know. We might have to ask somebody from the AFL for how that how that works, but um, I'm with you in spirit. Um, <laughs> Sorry about the rant there, guys. No, we love a good Sean rant. The, uh, the next trade, though, uh, was Essendon uh, moving up. So Essendon receiving a second round pick, it was 30 at the time, and a third round pick, which was 50, uh, and they gave up pick 35 and a future second round pick, which we're estimating to be about 27. Um, Now, this is clear, I mean, North won't win this because it's pretty similar to a trade from before where two picks swapped hands that aren't that far apart, and in order to do that, they had to sell around in the future um, or you know, it wasn't around in the future because the third round pick happens now, but you're still you downgrading a whole round um, effectively to Next to make year. that yeah to make that swap happen. Um, that future for second round pick is a really good um, really good value. Um, so North won this trade by about 320 points. Um, I think I think for for in terms of points balance, I think if Essendon wins the flag, it's net neutral. <laughs> so it's a I don't think North can lose this trade. I can't. I worked it out the other night. I can't remember, but my memory is saying it's about that. Like if if um, if Essendon won a flag next year, North still probably wouldn't lose this trade. Yeah, well, I mean, even not just on a points basis, but when you look at where those picks are positioned within the draft, and you go, would you rather thirty and fifty or thirty five? And if they won the flag, say thirty seven, because pick eleven's uh, in there. 37, yeah. So thirty seven and thirty five, or thirty and fifty. You'd rather thirty seven and thirty five. Just cluster the picks together, um, yeah. both higher. So it's a clear win by North. There's a couple of good trades like this for clubs, um, but equally a couple of bad trades like this from clubs. So I mean, look like this is just goes on to strengthen North Sand. Like we said, they're one of the three clubs next year that are just going to own the draft and. Funnily enough, all three of those clubs don't have academy. Yeah. So, you know, there's going to be a lot of clubs next year offering up some extreme first round or extreme future future value. value. You're completely right. These are clubs that are are thinking two years ahead, not one year ahead. They're not just 
thinking in what can I trade now? It's what can I trade in the future as well. And, and well, if you have a look at the three list managers there, you've got um, one of the most experienced in Stephen Wells, who, who's just very knowledgeable and, and, you know, very well respected around the league. You've got Justin Reed over in Adelaide. And Adelaide's, you know, been on the, I guess, the, the forefront of the analytics revolution in football. Um, they're, you know... Yeah, got, look. Yeah, absolutely, and, and they've got the, and, and they've brought him in because they've got he's got experience from the American systems, which is what we're being based off more and more. Um, and then you know, finally, we've got North Melbourne, who are now led by by Glenn Luff, who was champion data. So you know, you're seeing um, three clubs with three very different uh, list bosses, but all with a strength leading towards the i guess the analytics and future value side of trading and they've basically cornered the market next year yeah i I agree i think there's been some really solid trades by those clubs throughout um so the next trade was brisbane and sydney who were both really active clubs throughout this period uh brisbane received a third round pick which was 47 a fourth round pick which was 59 and a future third round pick which was 43 so two third round picks and a fourth round pick uh, the Swans received a very late second round pick, so 38 and a future third round selection, which we estimate to be about 51. So it looks like there'll be an upgrade um, on the third round selection, and there was also two selections coming in for that 38, so 38 to 47, 59, and an upgrade next year. So the Lions definitely win that one, but not by stacks. Um, no, it's not. It's not. It's a. I mean, it's one of those ones where it's 100 points if they finish roughly like this year. If the Lions have an injury curse and they miss the eight, then it's it's a net neutral. Um, I mean, the Lions did this one for points, um, and that's really what they got. So, um, And then they got a future upgrade on their, on their selection if they beat Sydney. So it, it really depends on their performance, but I think overall it's it's one so they could get, um, what was his name, Keegan Coleman. It's, it's like not a bad trade for the Swans really either. No, um, it's not at all. That 38 was a pretty good spot to be in in this draft. So um, moving up and only sliding a couple of picks next year um, for dumping picks late in this draft, not the worst thing. Um, so, yeah, you know, I can understand that from both sides really. I call it a pretty even trade. Next trade was between Collingwood and Richmond. Collingwood got a third round pick, which was 45, and a future second round selection, which was Richmond's, and Richmond received a third round pick, currently 46, so they moved up one spot, Collingwood, uh, and a future second round pick, Titus and Kilda. So they gave up grounds in next year's second round, for sure, um, given that uh, Collingwood probably want to finish relatively high um, and or in Richmond want to finish relatively high and St Kilda probably will finish in the bottom 10 so they, they definitely lose picks uh, to go it, up it's, an, one it's an 8 pick let's call it 8 or 9 pick uh, slide next year in the second round for one pick upgrade oh, yeah. this year which was I mean they went it was Bianco is the player attached to this one um I, I St Kilda have to finish above the Tigers for Collingwood to win this. So on points, uh, yeah, on points. Yeah, and, and it, um, to be honest, this is one where this is a trade I wouldn't make. But if you want it on points, you'd you'd kind of just take it and run. 
So, yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a trade that you... I mean, Richmond would make that every day of the week. And if you're Collingwood, you shouldn't make that because if... I always think this, and it's hard because I think the same thing with Gould and I think the opposite. But if Bianco slides through to 45, there's a reason why a lot of clubs haven't selected him before then. Um, and you can't take other clubs' opinions and, and use them as your own during the draft night. But overpaying just to move up one slot, I would rather take the risk that they won't be available and just take the next best available player and back your system. Yeah, I guess it's that, you know, we've talked about it before. It's the net present value. Um, I don't know. It, it's a. I wouldn't make the trade if I was Collingwood. I would if I was Richmond. Um, however, that said, I think this trade could be, uh, you know, a, a bit of a, a, a small overpay on Collingwood's behalf, which they might feel justified with. And it's not, it's, it's a bit like probably some of the earlier trades where we're not, we're not talking huge points. I think worst case, we could be talking some big difference. And if that's the case, then I think a bit more scrutiny on Collingwood would be required. Um, but I guess that's also waiting for the result. Um, it's a trade I just wouldn't make personally. So Yeah, no, I agree, mate. Um, so we're into the last few trades now. Um, Geelong and Essendon. Geelong received a third-round pick, currently 50. Essendon received a third-round pick, which was 63. A future third-round selection tied to Gold Coast and a future fourth-round selection. Massive win for Essendon, really. Um, yep. So that future third-round selection will probably be high. Um, it'll probably be on its own higher than the future th- third round pick that Geelong received um, so I, one of those ones I don't necessarily understand but they selected a player with pick 50 that was really good as well Cam Tahini Tahini yeah yeah, yeah. so it's like a look I get it um, but well, the, we, we didn't rate a lot higher than that but yeah but still like the Gold Coast selection for next year yeah that's the one you go does it have to be there yeah, or at least one of them. Like, there's a couple of first round. There's a couple of selections for next year. So yeah, Essendon um, win that one. Yeah, yeah, Essendon win it pretty comfortably. Um, uh, next up, we had uh, GWS receiving a third round pick, about pick fifty one, and a future fourth rounder from Collingwood. And Collingwood got a future third round selection tied to North Melbourne. So. Um, this one is literally line ball. Um, it all obviously hinges on North Melbourne. Um, I don't think this is too bad a trade uh, on Collingwood's behalf because I think that um, they probably didn't see anyone they liked and and converting it into next year and, and really um, getting rid of a pick they, they probably weren't going to use or didn't have any reason to use and um, getting North Melbourne's third round, which could be as low as about pick 40 next year. Um, So give up pick 51 and future fourth round. Let's, let's call that probably somewhere in the sixties for, for a pick 40, 40, 42. So I I like that. It's a good one um, for the pies. So, yep. Uh, Next trade, Fremantle received a fourth round pick currently 61 and Brisbane received a future fifth round pick. So Brisbane, we're not going to use this pick. And Freo didn't have any other picks. This was the one and that Freo confused didn't have us. Any other picks. So this is the one that really confused me because I thought this was this meant that they had residual points, but because they came back in with Freo, they obviously still have the points hangover next year. Correct. They still have the points hangover next year. Uh, they were able to make another selection late, and they were able to take a pick from another club that wasn't going to use it. This is a pretty smart trade um, by Freo, yep. and it sort of also highlights. Um, 
I guess the value of those late picks is into some clubs they're not valuable at all. This is a fourth round selection. Um, it was 61. And we've seen some of those picks move earlier in other trades and it's not even going to be used by a club so they're willing to give it away for the potential of future value. Um, clear win for Fremantle and I mean, and it's not even a loss for Brisbane. It was going to be a loss for them anyway. They weren't well, going to use it. That was probably set aside for a guy like Noel Cumberland or or one of those guys who went to Richmond. They yeah. lost those two to Richmond. So, I, I mean, that was... Yeah, I, I don't... Brisbane, it doesn't hurt Brisbane. It doesn't hurt Freya. It doesn't hurt Brisbane. The only way it hurts Brisbane is because it helps Freya. Yeah. And even it, help, helping any opponent is, um, <laughs> is hurting you indirectly or directly. Yeah. So next up, we had West Coast trade a, a fourth round pick, which was 58. Um, and Essendon received a future fourth, which will probably be somewhere in the 60s next year. So you're looking at, you know, the net present value cost there. So it might be a minor win for West Coast on points on the basis that um, on the basis that their pick will be in the 60s and, and Essendon's given up a pick 58. But again, it's a later pick they're probably not using. And um, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world there. So. No, trading, trading away picks you're not going to use doesn't really matter. Um, Finally. Last trade. Um, so Western Bulldogs received a fourth round pick. So it was currently 62. Uh, and Hawthorne received a future fourth round selection. So same thing as what we've talked about. Some clubs not going to use them. Other clubs going to use them. It's fine. The only downside here, I would say, was that they're going to lose points next year for Jamal Rubel-Hagen. Um, I, I guess we don't know where the bid's going to come for him, but at this, this right at this moment, as we record this podcast, it's probably a top five pick. Yeah, it's, it's a, but say it's a top five pick, and say the Dogs finish just on the border of the top eight, that's sort of where they're projecting, say they finish yeah. eighth, then that fourth round pick could be worth somewhere around 66, 65. But if that counts, if that takes the deficit off, it's, it's like it's like sixty or seventy points. It's but Fremantle's only two hundred points in debt. Yeah, slide them a pick. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it all adds up. I, I, I mean, I agree. Um, but it's yeah. Uh, all of these trades at the back end have just been a bit blah. Yeah, uh, they have. Absolutely. I, I mean, overall, there were a couple of clear winners. Um, and the clear winners were Geelong Geelong was the biggest winner that that trade with Gold Coast single-handedly um, I guess unlocked it for them and Port was a big winner as well Port Port's an interesting one they they were a big winner um, what I think you and I talked about this a little bit but I'll just talk quickly before we finish this episode on the journey that Port and Brisbane did together. Yeah, um, this was great. <laughs> so this is the I'll read out exactly what Brisbane and Port Adelaide traded with one another over this period. So Port Adelaide received uh, a first round pick, currently sixteen, a second round pick, currently twenty three, a future second round pick tied to Collingwood, two third round picks which were fifty two and fifty five, and a fourth round pick seventy two. Brisbane received two second round picks. 29 and 22 a fourth round pick currently 71 a future first round selection and a future fourth round selection tied to GWS so when you look at all of those picks together Port Adelaide's total value of picks is 2,950 points roughly Um, Brisbane's is about 3,030 so 80 points difference and they made probably three four trades to make all of that happen and they traded with each other for like multiple times for the same pick. So as in 
they Port Adelaide received pick 22 and then traded it back to Brisbane for pick 23 and it's a pick that and so that's encompassing the bit before the draft where Brisbane got out of the first round got out of the first round yeah. and then got back into the like the I guess the first pick of the second round so from the start of trade period to the very end of the draft they've affected effectively if everything goes the way we expect it only made 80 points which was about the equivalent of pick 65 yeah by making that swap and and they could have just held it they could have just held it um and and they just used the pick but i mean if everyone is happy now which i reckon that port adelaide and brisbane are it's fine it does show that the point system is a bit iffy with this i mean there's been some talk and we can talk about this in a different podcast about other systems like where you just get an assigned point value and then you bid at an auction for each player um, so whoever's willing to pay the most per player gets the player um, which sort of eliminates this need to trade shuffle deck chairs um, in order to fulfill your tra- your picking needs you can just offer as many points as you want I think, I think it's the to be honest I think it's the fact that you in American sports, the drafts are limited to X amount of selections. So you can clearly define a value on every selection. The national draft is loosely seven rounds if they wanted. They could go seven rounds of drafting. Yeah. and Or eight rounds even, I think, even potentially. I can't remember. There's, there's, there's not really a limit on it. So uh, the way the AFL could shore all this up and, and give a really a much better curve than the DVI curve would be to limit it. Say there's only four rounds yeah. of 18 selections. Uh, we're doing away with compo picks. We're doing away with priorities. We're doing away with all this garbage. It's just going to be four uncompromised rounds of drafting, and then we're going to have. We're going to, and if they're going to keep, if they get rid of the rookie, they maybe add another round of drafting. If they keep the rookie draft, then we have two rounds of the rookie, and they get assigned DVI points, and you're able to trade them as well because. They themselves, rookie picks, have a value yeah. in this system, which is where it all gets skewed. Is that, you know, when one club has got no DVI points assigned to um, a guy that's come off the rookie list, then this is skewing our curves. Yep, exactly, because that's, that's a player that's become successful. Um, and it's taking games which go into the DVI curve away from a player that's on the curve. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, exactly, because that's not accounting for all of the games. Um, exactly. So, I mean, look, there's some, a, definitely some things to be creases to be ironed out of this. But we do appreciate you guys um, listening in and joining in with us, and I hope that you've enjoyed the um, the proper new experience of what the new microphones could bring. Um, we're still going to be tweaking it a little bit over the next couple of weeks, but it, it should sound hopefully like this beautiful studio quality um, <laughs> sound from now on. Yeah, thanks, John. Thanks for all your efforts in setting up. And um, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we we hope everyone's safe and sound in these times. And um, apologies if we sound a little bit solemn at the moment, as we spoke about at the start. It's it's a bit... um, can sometimes be a bit hard to get properly excited uh, at the moment. So we just hope everyone's safe and sound and um, our country stops burning sometime soon. Yeah. All right, guys. Wish you all the best and we'll chat to you soon. See ya. If you constantly worry that the worst is going to happen, you're not alone. One in four Australians will experience anxiety. No one anxiety is talking. Visit Beyond Blue to start a life beyond anxiety.